Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I think tonight I went through all of the emotions that I could go through as the Phoenix Suns defeat the Chicago Bulls on the road in, on the road in Chicago. Kind of shocking to see how the Suns come out, get up by 11, then they go down. They're down by 12 around halftime. They have to battle back. It's an uphill fight the rest of the game. And, uh, you know, I got to ask, Matthew, do you know who What's Bonnie up? Tyler is? I do not. Who is that? Is it a woman or a man? Well, or a, it, is, is it? It, it is a woman, and okay. she sings Total Eclipse of the Heart. And tonight was one of those, like, turn around every now and then. I get a little lonely when we stop making the goddamn three ball. <laughs> Shy town, turn around. I mean, it was. Was, was that stuck game. in your head the whole game? Was that stuck in your head? No, it was, it was stuck in my head when Frank Kaminsky took the Suns from the bowels of defeat <laughs> and were somehow. I Somebody put on Twitter, Frank Elijah Wan. I'm like, what is going on? But you oh, know what? Man. Suns the- win. <laughs> The, the Frank versus Young battle. Who would have thought? That was an interesting battle down low, you know? I think they swapped jerseys. I'm not sure. Frank right now, I don't see his jersey on. So they might have swapped jerseys after this game because that battle between those two, it was amazing to watch. And thank God they benched Frank because he got pissed tonight and he came back and helped the Suns. Well, and he's a local Chicago product. So he yes, was he definitely um, excited to be playing at home. And he was a big part of that Suns comeback a comeback that I didn't know if it was going to happen. It seemed like every time we could get it down to five or six points, we would give up three pointers to guys who I didn't know who they were. They were seven foot guys who looked like Kirk Heinrich and dudes with man buns. I didn't know what was going on tonight. No, it was all over the place. I'm sure he's a Jack Taylor player of the ward. I think we have to find his name again because I wrote it down. I forgot Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett. Went to ITT Tech. I'm pretty sure, and this guy comes in and almost blows it away, <laughs> blows blows the Suns away. But unfortunately, not not today, Luke. Sorry, yeah, buddy. So, sorry, sorry, Luke. Not today. So uh, again, shout out to all the Jamsters who are joining us live. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. It's jammed because it's John and Matthew. I am John. He is Matthew. Welcome to the podcast. If you're watching live on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. Please go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. And if you are listening on the Brightside Podcast Network, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. So it is a Friday night where the Suns mm-hmm. somehow, someway turned around. So mm-hmm. crack them if you got them, Suns fans. I don't know if you have oh, anything, I got Matthew. Something. Always Ooh. from now on, you know. Um, I got to pull myself together, dude, and bring some beers on the show. What the hey. hell am I doing? Right, I don't know. two it's curse Friday words night. already too. What is going on? It's a great night for Suns fans. <laughs> so twenty-one eleven for the Phoenix Suns. Pop them if you got them. Doing, doing. Oh. 
There you go. <laughs> Cheers. Let's talk Suns. The Phoenix Suns go to Chicago and win by a score of 106 to 97 in a game that it looked like they were not going to win. It wasn't a pretty game uh, overall. You know, this is a team that we are used to seeing knockdown shots. They weren't knocking them down for the majority of this game, or at least the middle of the game. Matthew, how weird yes, is it to see Phoenix miss shots? when they're the team in the NBA who's currently number three overall in field goal percentage. It's interesting, right? Because everything was really short, especially for Booker. Mr. First quarter came out. He was getting his shot. They just weren't going down. They were very, very short, but it was like that for a lot of the team. They couldn't find anything. Then what you got to do is you got to feed the beast, and that's Aiton. They kept it up all game. That was perfect. That's exactly what they needed to do. Um, but just getting off their shot, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch because even the Chicago Bulls themselves weren't shooting that great from three. They mm -hmm. weren't really doing that great on the offensive end. But the Suns just couldn't do anything. And it was tough to watch at first. You thought it might be one of those games where we talk about trading Aiton. Frank the Tank sucks. Why isn't Frank starting? All this stuff. Well, we're probably going to talk about that. But it turned out very positive. Six great minutes for the Suns. That's all you needed. That's what great teams need to do. And that's what they did tonight, right? Absolutely. And I think that the fact that the Suns know who they are on defense goes a long way for this team because on offense, they were having a hard time finding themselves in this game. I like the fact that they went to, De to DeAndre Ayton early and they went to him late. And in the middle of the game, they just kind of lost their way. But this is a game where they shot six for 22 from beyond the arc. So not a good performance there. That's 27.3%. They were having a hard time with ball movement. They were turning the ball over a little bit, although uh, their defense was forcing the turnovers for the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls ended with 19 total turnovers, and the Suns had 24 points off of those turnovers. That makes up for the disparity behind the three-point arc because the Bulls outshot the Suns by six. They had, you know, essentially that's 18 points that they outscored us by beyond the arc. So it definitely came down to defense. It definitely came down to that fourth quarter, the last six minutes. And this team knows who they are in that last six minutes of a game. That's something that we have not seen in years with this team. When it came down to close games and opportunities to go forth and try to win those games, the team would, would become stagnant on offense. They would allow defenses to get out on fast breaks and score easy points. You're not seeing that with this Suns team. No, you're not. And like shooting the three, it wasn't going in. So like there were one for nine in the first half and yeah. it was like, you know, stay away from it. And they were, they didn't, they didn't jack them up. I feel like last game they were actually trying to jack it up too much. It was, Oh, excuse my language. I thought they were trying to, they were doing too much to get, to get that to go down because I feel like they had nothing, but tonight they still had nothing, but it was like, it just seemed like the game plan was like, hang in there, right? Our our bench is matching their bench. Our bench maybe was doing better than their first team offense. Let's just, let's keep it together. Let's keep it close. Keep it by 10. Even though us Suns fans couldn't see an outcome to where the Suns might win this game because it was looking so ugly. 
they were just like, we just have to give you defensively. We have to play six great minutes, which they did offensively. We got to push the ball with the find the open man, even if it is from three, because Mikel and Cam Johnson got some to go down and then they feed DA. But in the past, I feel like even last game, you know, they were just trying to shoot the three. And I'm so glad they kind of st- stayed away from it. It's an ugly percentage, but the attempts up there were were short, right? It wasn't like they were trying to put a 35 this game. And I love to see that, man. It's like just adjusting to what they need to do against, you know, a Chicago Bull team that might be in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're still in the East. They're still a lesser team than the Suns. They're down on the totem pole. And the Suns just did what they did best, really, in these kind of games where they just proved they're greater. And it's kind of like the Charlotte team. I mean, that's how I kind of see this Bulls team is they're pesky. They definitely can pose some problems because they do have some guys, obviously Zach Levine being one of them, Kobe White, who was having a decent game until it looked like he got injured uh, and his knee was hurting him a little bit, but another guy who can score for you, but they're not necessarily a team that is known for their defense as of yet. I think that Wendell Carter is somebody who definitely needs a lot of improvement. He's somebody who I've always been a fan of. And I think that he is somebody who will eventually display some of those characteristics that can assist this team moving forward. But he's essentially on an island by himself on the front line. And the Suns were smart because they took uh, advantage of that. And that's where the game pretty much started. It started with... Watch 2021. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, that that's what this game plan was essentially right off the bat was feed the big guy, give him the ball down on the block, allow him to get a rhythm going. And when he starts to get that rhythm going, you see good things. You look in the first half and DeAndre Ayton was definitely um, effective. I mean, you look at his overall uh, stat line in the first half, four for eight, and he had eight points. And that, I mean, yeah. as recently, that's been the total amount of attempts he's had the entire game. They were talking about it before the game. He Last year, he averaged 15 attempts a game. It's down to 10 this year. And by the end of the game, 10 for 17, which is my birthday. So, you know, nice Again? DA. A, a, yeah, he has 10, so many birthdays. I always lose track. 10, 17. Is it I, always 10, 17? Okay. Every time. And it, it pops up a lot during uh, football games, too. When the score is 10, 17, I'm like, hey, hey, shout out. Um, it's really hard for you because what's your okay. birthday like? One eighteen? Yeah, one eighteen. Like, when's yeah. that gonna happen? You know, never, never. never. If a guy goes one for maybe. eighteen, he had a bad night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But man. da twenty two points, seven rebounds, three mm-hmm. big blocks in the fourth quarter, and that was the recipe for success at the beginning of the game when the team went up by eleven. Was the recipe for success at the end of the game, and it was let DeAndre Ayton become our defensive anchor. And from that, other players can play well off of him, Cam Johnson being one of them, and feed the ball to him late, and he took care of it. And he, you know what? He even dunked the ball. So Suns Twitter can finally be like, two points is two points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we brought up last podcast how he does start slow. He fumbles the ball. Kind of like me. If you watch this podcast, you listen to the podcast, I stumble on my words. I get into like a weird groove in the beginning. And then I finally maybe figure it out towards the end. That is exactly what DeAndre Ayton does. And that's what he did in this game because he was giving the ball consistently. Sometimes in the past when he would just fumble the ball, go for a dunk and lose the ball, then they would go away from him too 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 long i know you get to get other guys involved but they would go too long and too far away from deandre and and it was frustrating so tonight what they did 
they kept going to him. They kept letting him kind of make his mistakes, get comfortable. And then the the offense of the Chicago Bulls, their guards were kind of getting to the rim. And then you kept hearing, it's like, where's the defensive anchor? Then the Bulls start thinking like, okay, maybe we can get to the paint. Nope, not in the fourth quarter. Because then DA was comfortable. DA was the man to himself. He was like, I don't know. He gets into this awesome groove where he just thinks he can – pretty much played to his ex- excellent level that we think he can play at. And he just finishes the game that way. That's why even the sloppiness, sometimes we need to keep giving him the ball. And he had four touches early. And then right in the beginning of the second half, he got the ball again and again and again and again. Frank comes in, does splendid. Then he comes out. Ooh, then Frank comes splendid. in. I mean, good word. Yeah. And then, oh, is it good? Yeah. I, word of the day today, dude. Splendid. And then Aiton comes back in and just finishes the job, dude. So it was nice to see. And this is what we need to do is what they need to keep doing. And CP3 and them need to get in his face and tell him, you know, this is what exactly you can do. So it was fun to see, right? Absolutely. And again, shout out to the Jamsters who are watching live. A lot of great things that they're saying in there. Blackout Suns. Suns Twitter can be depressing sometimes, man. Uh, You're right. I mean, every time DeAndre Ayton has a possession in which he doesn't perform in the way that we think he should, like, you know, a slam dunk, you know, he fumbles the ball sometimes. And that's what I found was kind of interesting at the beginning of this game was watching Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter was the number, I want to say, six overall pick in the Lonzo Ball draft and the Josh Jackson draft, right? He was six or seven or eight. He was in there. Wendell Carter? Yeah, he was in the same draft as uh, he was with Aiden. So he was. So he third year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so he was in that same draft as Aiden and Uh Luca and all them. And he's somebody who, again, is still maturing as well. And you see that he had a lot of those same characteristics early in the game. The Bulls and Kobe White would would is it Kobe or Colby? Colby. Well, I think it's Colby. Colby. Yeah. I'm sorry if I was saying Kobe. It's I say it too quick, and I'm like it's Colby. So Kobe White. I bet you. So so. Number zero for the Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> from from North Carolina for the Chicago Bulls. When he would feed the ball to Wendell Carter, he would fumble the ball a little bit, and he was very unsure of himself. And it was a lot of very similar characteristics that we see uh, from Da sometimes, where he catches the ball at the top of the key, and he just kind of he's looking for the pass. And the difference is he was like the number six, seven, or eight, and I always forget which uh, pick he was. Uh, But, you know, that's the difference between him and DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick. Therefore, he should be David Robinson by seven. Sorry. Okay, so he was the seventh overall pick in the 2018 draft. And that's the difference between him and Ayton because Ayton was the number one overall pick. He is meant to be David Robinson, and he hasn't been there yet. But with every possession that DA has, we are critical of him. And that's... You know, that's what's frustrating as Suns fans is you see those moments when you can see his potential and you just want it consistently. Like that four-game stretch we had earlier in the season mm-hmm. where he exerted himself, he come, came out, he was pissed off Aiden, and he played to the level that we thought he could. If he could do that consistently, we don't have to deal with that segment of Suns Twitter anymore. Everybody's just like, you know what? DA is what we need him to be. Let's let, let let's direct all of our negativity <laughs> at Abdel Nader now or whatever. So again, I think yeah. this was a really great uh, game by DeAndre Ayton. I think that the fact that the Suns keyed in on the fact that he should be the focal point of this offense early in the game, and then it just happened that it, it worked out in the fourth quarter that he was a central part due to his defense primarily uh, of helping the Suns <laughs> turn this game completely around. I mean, that fourth quarter... The Suns, I believe they were down seven entering it, and they outscored the Chicago Bulls 32-16 to in the fourth. 
and they end up winning the game by nine. I mean, what a fantastic performance by the Suns and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, and honestly, Twitter, I mean, it could be harsh, but everyone, like you said, we've seen those four games. That's why I don't like to let up. That's why the Suns don't like to let up. There's no reason to where we should take a step back, and if we win games, we're like, oh, he was eight points, like eight rebounds, that's fine. No, it's not, because in games like this, this is where it pays off to where we can have him come in and take over when the mid range isn't falling, the three point isn't falling. It's not like we, we are this way because we love him. We know his talents. All right. So it's okay to be kind of upset. And people are like, ah, oh, what are we going to do? Cause we, we know this team's good. And a lot of people think they're great and they might have a chance to go to the championship or to the super bowl, whatever this year. So we want them. <laughs> we it's want the world to, series. Yeah. We want him to make sure that his talent, and everything is out there. It's shown to where we can keep him along when the trade deadline comes up. It's not like, you know, is DA in it right now? Do we have to wait two more years? Do we have the time? That's the thing we just talk about. And it's okay to talk about that because we talked about Booker the same way in his second, third year. It was like, is this really the guy? He made a lot of mistakes. He was so frustrating. Remember in his third oh, year? Oh, yeah. It was, it was hard to watch sometimes because he didn't know how he would develop. But now he's brilliant. Now he's an all-star. So, I mean, we're just doing the same thing with DA right now, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like we, we hate the guy. We just know the talent. Absolutely. We know the potential and it's frustrating when you don't see mm -hmm. it. And it's nice on a night in Chicago where he comes through and essentially helps us pull out a game that we should be winning. We should win this game. And unfortunately we let it get away from us. I mean, the Chicago bulls had a lead as large as 16 against the Phoenix Suns, So really yeah. kind of frustrating there and Chicago. I was thinking about this before the game. They're showing all of the city, uh, shots as they're you know kind of the the yes. b-roll footage if you will i don't know if you've ever well i do know but you've never been to chicago i've uh, been anywhere <laughs> Tell me i heard chicago. you went to tucson once i love chicago <laughs> it is it is probably outside of like huntington beach california and maui from vacate you know I, I go there on like vacation chicago is an amazing city it's beautiful it's dangerous at times, but uh, I Everywhere. absolutely love that city. I miss it every year. I go there for work, and I haven't been obviously due to COVID nineteen restrictions. I won't be going this year. I didn't go last year, and yeah. I actually I actually missed it two years ago because I was moving, so I couldn't go there uh, for the NRA show, and that's the National Restaurant Association show, not the <laughs> National Rifle, whatever that is. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely beautiful city, great food. Uh, right there on Lake Michigan. So I always love when they have that B-roll footage and they're showing it of Chicago. It's just, it, it makes me miss it so much. Uh, but at the same time, I've been to that arena. You got Michael Jordan out front and, you know, that's mm -hmm. the house that Michael Jordan built. And I know this might be me and maybe people in the chat can fortify this. Or, uh, but did the rims look different or was that just me? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like maybe it's the net. The net was shorter or a little bit more full. I don't know. It's okay. just, or maybe it was just the fact that every shot Booker was taking in the first quarter was coming up short. And even though he had like 10 points, it was on like four of 12 five shooting of or something. Yeah. yeah five, five of 11. First. Yep. No, you know what? I mean, if you're just being funny, I, I don't know. Are you serious? Are you really? I asking am. Me? I like I, I was I like looking looked, at, no, I don't think uh, they looked any different. I think the shots coming out of the sun's hands looked a little different. Like the releases weren't as nice. But there was no difference with the rims, though, John. I think they would have noticed and complained and probably got a technical, and Booker probably wouldn't even no, get a No, I just think that it. it's like, you know, the net is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. The rims are the same, but I, I feel like the net. Oh, maybe the net. Maybe the net. Maybe yeah. that's just me. Like, I'm literally going to take the advanced stats 
uh, footage from this game. I'm going to pick a possession and then I'm going to compare it to like something against Phoenix. I'm going to transpose it over, apostatize it down, and see if the nets yeah. are longer. Was it Phoenix shorter? Was it like a little? Yeah, it looked shorter. shorter. Oh, you know what? It, I it, hate it. It looked like John Stockton's that. shorts in the mid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those are coming back. So they <laughs> yeah, they've been clearly. back for a little bit. Yeah, they've been back. Not that short, but they're coming back a little bit shorter. <laughs> so sp- speaking of Devin Booker, he's <laughs> somebody who I was talking with somebody on Twitter. I think uh, the Suns. Uh, uniform tracker that Twitter handle was asking about kind of what is Devin yes. Booker splits per quarter. And we that. talked about it a little bit on the last podcast about how we get aggressive Booker. It's great that Monty deploys him early and then he kind of goes into playmaking mode. And then, you know, where does he kind of end up from there? And the splits coming into this game is he has 8.9 points per game in the first quarter, 3.7 points per game in the second quarter. points per game in the third quarter, and then 5.4 points per game in the fourth quarter. And I thought that was interesting. And if you sit there and you add all that up, you realize it doesn't equal his average of about 25 points a game. That's because he only played 24 games in the fourth quarter, whereas he played 27 in the other ones, but math, whatever. I find it interesting that his his third worst quarter to score is the fourth. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Devin Booker is one of your top scorers. He's somebody who you look to close games out. And uh, again, maybe it's because we are such a team-centric brand and that brand of basketball that he doesn't need to. But I just found it interesting. He almost goes for nine points a game in the first, eight in the third, and 5.4 in the fourth. Yeah, it is pretty nuts, but it's kind of nice because, well, a lot of teams have the adjustments, right? They're going to come out. They're going to play them a little bit differently in the fourth. And plus, he plays most of the third. Then he comes in like the second, like the first to the second to where he'll play like the whole first and then come in like, what, six minutes in the second or something like that usually? Yeah, Yeah, so it makes sense for that. But also, he defers. So, I mean, if you're a star and you want to play on a team with another star like Devin Booker, then it's going to be nice because you're like, oh, he's not a ball hog. He defers. He wants to get other teammates involved. So that's good to see. But I think it's just a lot because he doesn't come in. He doesn't play too many minutes in the fourth, but maybe the like the last seven or eight minutes. And plus, he's deferring. The adjustments are there. And I mean, if we have Aiton going, we have Chris Paul. We've had so many games where Chris Paul, too, is closing out. So I think that has a lot to do with it, too. But I like how it jumpstarts them, right? Each half, the first quarter, jumpstart the first half, and then the third quarter, it jumpstarts the Suns' offense again going to, towards the end of the game. So I enjoy that. I mean, do you have do you have issues with it, or is it just interesting to look at? No, it's just interesting. When you start to analyze statistics, every now and then you come on one of those aha moments. Like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd okay. be interesting. I haven't dissected, but I wonder who leads the Suns in points per game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Just kind of interesting. Uh, Code JJM, one of our loyal listeners to the podcast, what brings up? up the point that Book is not getting foul calls like he should. Nope. This was a very weirdly Shocker. officiated game. There was a lot of no calls, and I was okay with it because it was no calls across mm-hmm. the board. You know, when it's isolation and you're seeing that the Suns are getting the fouls called on them and it's not going the other way. It's actually kind of frustrating, but there was a total of 25 total free throws taken between both teams in this game. The Suns went 12 for 15. The, uh, the bulls went seven for 10. Note that all three of those misses for the Suns, oddly enough, were from Devin Booker. Two of them were on and one. And uh, I mean, he just, for some reason, you know, four for seven overall, but that, that travel call was one of the weirdest calls I've seen where Devin Booker's driving down the lane. He gets hit. He takes one more step, throws the ball up. He gets yeah. hit again, and they call a travel on that. And it's just, again, 
I, I'm getting kind of tired of saying it on the podcast, but I continually oh, yeah. will. Devin Booker needs to get some sort of respect. And I don't know if it's because of the way of his personality and just kind of the way he is, but I think that it's something that is obviously he needs that respect. He does um, personality wise. He can kind of match with, uh, with the Luca personality wise Luke, not on the floor, but like, just, I mean, they're more, they're more kind of quiet. I mean, book is more humble, right? I mean, anybody, everyone loves the guy. He's, if you love somebody, usually they're more humble. I just assume he is Luca is kind of the same way, but Luca does complain more on the court. And I don't know why I brought Luca into this because he's the first one, him and James Harden, are the first one to come to mind when I think about drawing the foul, this should be kind of like an instantaneous thing with the rest to where they're calling these just, you know, it's like if he goes up, flails the arms and there's a body there and an arm that is hunched over and not straight up, it's a foul every time it should be for Booker. And it's not yet. And I don't think it will be. I mean, we, we talked about it plenty where I think it's just maybe something next year we can look forward to because right now it's kind of frustrating because the Suns are playing well. And that's just like the one thing that Booker is not getting here, those foul calls. He'll get some of them, but it needs to be more consistent. It's just not there. The travel itself was weird because he traveled because he got fouled. So if EJ was on the call, I mean, EJ would have flipped out. It was, it was frustrating to watch because these are things where like, if the refs are not deciding what to do with book, it's going to cost us some games down the road, I think. And we just can't have that with book getting disrespected still in the league. It's just, it's still very frustrating. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's, I, I, I really am starting to think that it is due to his personality type and it's something that just doesn't necessarily mesh well with the refs or they, you know, they, they take the, his, the way that he complains is very different than the way that other players in the league complain. Therefore they take it as abrasive. And I think we kind of saw that on the uh, interview that he had yesterday. Congratulations on your all-star selection. I would like to ask you, what is the biggest progression of your game so far in the season? And you play much better this season than last season. And also what is the biggest motivation for you after the, the loss against the Hornets? Did you watch me play last season? Yes. I think I'm playing extremely better. This season, yes. Never mind. Next question. So we get that from Booker, and of course that kind of blew up Twitter. Obviously people who are not fans of the Phoenix Suns really thought that it was kind of an asshole move that he was being condescending. And we know Booker. I mean, he is a very, a man of few words, a guy who doesn't say much. And when he does, he is very passive with the media. He doesn't talk about his personal life. He doesn't do anything like that. And I think that it's a valid question that he asks. He's like, well, did you see me play last year? And the guy's like, yeah, you're playing better this year. It's like, he's not though. I mean, that's, I haven't seen him miss. I think he's missed more free throws so far this season than he did all of last year. I mean, so there's so much more of his game that he can unlock. What are your thoughts on all of that? Dude, I am sorry because I don't really get what's going on with that. I've listened to the interview twice and each time. I don't know why I said twice. I listened to it like six times because I couldn't, fi- <laughs> I couldn't Ooh, figure out what. I know. That didn't even make any sense. Um, but yeah, anyways, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll tone it down a little bit. I got too aggressive there. Um, so Thank Booker you. himself, that interview, I don't under- even understand what, what the hell is going on. So I don't know what the fuss is really about. I mean, is he saying that, hey, he's not he didn't start off the season that well and his free throws are bad? Like his percentage is bad? Then what is the issue here? I don't understand. I think it was just miscommunication between the two. So I don't really know what's going on with this one. I'm sorry. I'm 
I'm just kind of lost to what's going on. Yeah, essentially, he just thought that, you know, he, he's like, well, how do you feel about playing this year? You're playing so much better. And, and Booker, I, I think it was more of Booker saying, like, you think I'm playing better this year than I was last year? Yeah, I feel like he felt like he was being baited into some sort of, sort of question. And Booker doesn't play that game. The only time he ever, only time he ever gets baited is by other players benches and allows himself to get teed up. So yeah, so he keeps it that way. I mean, he's he plays the media smart. So I'd be the same way, right? No, I wouldn't. I'd be if I was in the NBA and I was asked, you know, one media one media session, I'd be gone. Just I would. <laughs> there would end up being. A dick pic somewhere or something. I don't know. <laughs> something would be all jacked up and you would be gone. <laughs> um, well, well, let's switch gears here and let's talk about Frank the Tank. Like, God bless yes. Frank the Tank. Like, what the hell is going on this season with him, <laughs> man? Like, he saved our ass. Yeah, I mean, we had to get used to it in a way. First quarter, though, I thought he was more of a kind of a ball hog, but I guess he was kind of getting his game going. Like I said, Thaddeus Young and him were going head to head on each ends of the court. It was fun to watch, dude. I thought they were going to fist fight at one time, but honestly, I think <laughs> it was fun to watch Frank tonight because he didn't stop. I think this was like the most shot attempts he's had in one game, but we needed each and every one of them. His his moves down low, they, especially as he has a mismatch, it's nice to see because he actually does take it to the rim. He'll do the little spin a Rooney and then get to the rim, and it's easy for him on smaller matchups. I don't know why it is, but... It's became it's become that way, and we have to expect it from Frank. If you bench this guy after he goes nine and one, or what? You, yeah, he went nine yeah. and one as a starter. You're gonna pay sons. And honestly, I was all for the Jay Crowder starting, but I don't know if you stick with that now. Now it's just so confusing. If you go back to Frank, I don't think he can. Right? Do you it's, go back to it? Well, I, it's a lineup thing. I mean, essentially, Dario Sarch is out. So you know you don't have a good solid backup five to DeAndre Ayton, so you have to change the way that you approach it. The reason that you could start Frank the Tank is because Dario Sarge was available to become the five coming off the bench. With him injured, he rolled his ankle at the end of the last game. That changes Monty's rotation, so he's going to do that. But uh, who just put that in there? Uh, Regan Graves says he's showing he's a starter. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's definitely showing he has starter capability. I mean, he really had a great, great game. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how Monty necessarily needs to deploy him, but when he does, he's been showing that he's been valuable. He's had really, really solid games off the bench. Remember that one game he nearly had a triple-double? That was off of the bench. I mean... I really like him actually coming in and assisting the, that second unit. It'd be interesting to see when Dario's healthy, how they approach that. Hell, maybe we could even try a few games with Dario starting at the four and see what happens there. That could be a real interesting lineup wrinkle that we have yet to try. I know that that's something as Suns fans we've enjoyed is the fact that Dario has embraced his role as the backup four, or I'm sorry, the backup five. But, uh, but I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think about potentially if when if and when Dario's healthy because he's always hurt, poor guy, <laughs> that, start him at the poor four. Guy. I mean, it would be interesting because Dario himself, I know he's probably frustrated, like we all are. He's he's always hurt. It's kind of like me and work. Sometimes I get migraines. It just happens. I'm sorry. I'm gonna miss something. Something might happen. But he is just he's very inconsistent for that reason of just being hurt. But starting him at the four, I don't I'm not for it. If you're gonna go start someone else, of course, go back for go back with Frank because his plus minus, I guess, is just so much better with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Sam Cooper put that up on Twitter to where he is actually improving that offense. So go back to it. I, I hate that we're waiting for him to lose and then 
put him on the bench. You know what I mean? That, that just must be something that hovers over his head. Maybe it's like, oh man, if we lose this, I'm going to go back to the bench. It's going to suck. I'm only going to play t- 10 minutes tonight because I started. And if we lose the game, it's going to be my fault. I'm going to go back to the bench. Maybe that's something he thinks about and it might hurt him. I, I don't know. I just think you got to stay consistent. This is the one thing we talked about early in the season. Be consistent with the starting lineup. There's no reason to change it, really. I don't think there is. Well, they did tonight and they won. So, I mean, it does it does all <laughs> yeah, work yeah, out eventually, right? right? I mean, it I, does, I, yeah. it, it's, I don't know. I The fact that the Suns have the flexibility to do this, again, is something that I'm a big fan of for this team. I think that starting Crowder, they felt, given the fact that the Chicago Bulls have a very small front line, they knew that they could essentially get away with it, so they did. And I think that that was a smart move by them. And Frank yes. became our savior. Because again, I mean, starters, it doesn't necessarily matter because it's about how who you finish with and who you have get hot and somebody who can contribute to the team. So, you know, if, if Frank is starting, you know, and we happen to win, like we were looking in some of those starts, he wasn't putting together the best performances. So... I don't know. I one thing I did think was interesting though, and and shout out to at Surging Suns on Twitter is he posed this question and he goes, "Why do you think the pick and roll seems to work better with Frank?" What do you think about that, Matthew? Sometimes it just seems because oh, I know. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, he can't see me though. Can you? Okay, so. I'm sorry. So I think what it is is basically you give more. Yeah, I know. I'm so prissy. You give more attention to Chris Paul on the pick and roll. I mean, if if, if Frank's up there setting the pick and roll and it's not Aiden, yeah, everyone's going to go towards Chris Paul. That's what leaves the, pass, the entry pass open, I think, for Frank. Whether or not he finishes is what the defensive knows. The defensive team knows because – Around the rim, he's not very not very good. He can't get up. He can't really lay it in. He's like a Sarich in a way. If there's anybody around him, it's very, very difficult to get the ball up. So I think that's what the defenses pay attention to. If it's Aiton, more distraction for them on the defensive end to where it ends up being just like a single coverage. But there's no double coverage because I know that when Chris Paul does a pick and roll, both guys usually go to Chris Paul. And it's an easier pass for Chris Paul because he knows how to get the ball through between the legs or lob it up or something. Cause I think that's all that's happening. Really. I, I think it's that simple, right? Yeah, it really is. I think I was trying to come up with reasons why. And ultimately that was, that, that's the correct answer. Chris Paul has so much more gravity than when he's playing with Frank Kaminsky, than he does with DeAndre. Yeah. Cause you have to respect DeAndre. Ayton. He has the ability to jump high. He has the ability to fumble the ball, but he'll catch the ball and he'll put it in there. And he's an, he's an easy two <laughs> points. So that's kind of where those mismatches uh, occur. Uh, Code JJM says Aiton doesn't cut hard or quick enough sometimes, but I'll tell you what, he, I think he's done a really good job better. of getting himself open and CP three just will miss the pass. There he was does. about two or three times where I was like, give him the ball. And I was, Oh, I got it on my game. seat once. I'm like, give him the ball. Are you even looking towards him? It I think it was probably the same play every game. Same it's play. frustrating. Yeah, and I see some people, you know, it's like the boogie trend says Aiton doesn't hustle, lazy ass. Sometimes, uh, yes. You know, yeah. I, but but then, you know, You're Humble Rumble, right. teammates got to pass better too. I agree. I mean, Aiton has even a better entry pass than a lot of his own team. That entry pass that he had to Mikhail Bridges that led to an and one was an example yeah. of that. Sometimes they just don't get him the ball in the place where he should get it. He's cutting and they throw it down on his thigh. So he's got to reach back and then he goes up and it gets hit. And we're like, well, yeah. he's fumbling the ball. It's like, it's not necessarily always the best pass, but I do think dude. that he does a good job of cutting 
on those PNRs. He's getting better at it. He's picking and choosing when he can be aggressive. And CP3 just doesn't feed him sometimes, and it can be rather frustrating. It can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I honestly think that he is rolling a little bit better than he was in the beginning of the season, but the, the passes have to be quick. It's like leading your receiver. You have to lead him to where he needs to go, and I think a lot of it is just that. They're just waiting too long, and the coverage ends up you know, just being in the way. Yes, there it is. Very, very true. You, you look as at well. you to you as well to as, hashtag two as well. <laughs> uh, we'll pull that up. Yeah. Hashtag two as well. There you go. Um, CP three, another great game, 14 points, 15 assists, a plus 28 to lead all Phoenix Suns, whereas campaign had a negative 21. And I think that's something we really have to start to look at is as much as we love campaign and how he's played up to this point of the season, he really has since that ankle injury fallen off. He's come back. He's played a little bit, didn't play in a stellar fashion, set out a couple more games. And it's a very different team with, with him on the court. He ends with a total of two points on one of two shooting, only has nine minutes played. But again, in those nine minutes, a negative 21. So that team really had a hard time, one, defending, and two, pushing the pace and scoring the ball. So Chris Paul, obviously, you know, all-star, the point god, 15 assists, six rebounds on with 14 points. Uh, a few turnovers there at the end of the game where he would just catch himself jumping and not finding the correct outlet pass. And, and but also his team was like wide open. They'd still pass the ball to him. And he's like, oh, shit, uh, I got to do something. The clock, the shot clock's <laughs> yeah. running out. Um, what do you think about the way CP3 is played? And then back that up with your thoughts on Cameron Payne. I mean, these assists are really, really quiet for CP3. We were just yeah. talking about the couple of passes he didn't throw to DeAndre, but he has 15 assists for the game. So it's like, do you want him to have 20 assists every game? He piles them up there very, very quickly and kind of quietly too as well. I mean, just like Mikhail's defense, where it's just so quiet at some times, you just don't even know it's there because he's just covering the guy so well to where you're not paying attention to his the offensive guy he's covering. Campaign, though, I really think that he there's something off about him. So it's going to kind of suck because if he starts to like trend downwards and it's like, Oh, the Halliburton pick, Oh, that's really going to hurt us. That's really actually going to hurt us kind of a lot. So he has to pick it up, but he gets in this zone where he can be in the paint. And I think I would forget Zach Lowe was on the podcast today with um, Bill Simmons. I think it was yesterday. He calls yep. it like the dead zone to where it's like 11 to 15 feet from the basket to where, um, who the hell was he talking about? Someone that is so good in that area. I think it's Luka Doncic. He was talking about where Luka's so good in that area to where he's in there and you think nothing's going on, but he can pass it to the guy who's open. He didn't even know was open. And campaign sometimes can be that way. I'm not saying he's Luka at all, but he gets in there and he's just moving around these defenders like they're not even there. And then he can get a shot off or else he can make a good pass. He's done that in the past. Today, he did it once. And I was like, okay, campaign's back. This is a good game. And that was it. That was basically all we got from campaign today. So it does kind of suck because we thought we had the lock, right, with campaign as being mm -hmm. our backup point guard. So maybe it's just a few games that he's just not having a good – I don't know. I mean, he's not going to be as consistent as we probably want and wish in the beginning of the year. But he'll be there for us, I feel like, in the end, right? Or else do you think we go a different way? I don't know, and that's kind of one of the questions because it's been kind of a sustained run now. It's been about two or three weeks since we've really seen a positive campaign uh, performance, You know, uh, a positive campaign game where he's really contributing to this team. And 
providing the assistance that we expect from the backup point guard position. I know that Etwan Moore, although he plays a little bit more of the two than the one, because he likes they like to uh, have him out there with CP3. Then you have Booker with campaign. Uh, I think that you know Etwan Moore might end up getting some of those minutes, or we might start to see a little bit more of Javon Carter. And I think that and, and the boogie trend does say this. You know, campaign did have that one game where he hit uh, all those threes against Memphis. Yeah, that was a fantastic performance, but it was also in garbage time in the fourth quarter where none of the starters were playing outside of like nobody. I mean, there was nobody really playing for us. So he does have that ability, and we know that. We know that from the beginning of the season, but we're starting to see some of those inconsistencies. And that was the set that, you know, this is the second game in a row where when he is out there with the second unit, we instantly give up a lead. We were up in our last game. God, who did we even play last? <laughs> the Jesus horny Christ. hornets. Yeah, the horny hornets. Yeah, we were up, we were up on the horny hornets, and then we give up the lead when campaign in the second unit comes out. And the same I told Shannon that earlier. I'm like, the horny hornets, she's like, that's inappropriate. I'm like, Matthew said it. Like when I used to play my sister Stephanie at basketball when I was really little at six or seven, yeah. she's like, it sounds I'll be the horny hornets. I'm like, what does horny mean? She's just like dribbling the ball and having fun. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. She's like, I'm the horny hornets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so anyways. But anyways, I mean, the, the, the past couple games, and this goes before the Memphis game and everything, where the Suns are really inconsistent with campaign's performances. And it's something that I might actually have to delve a little bit deeper into and see what those statistics look like because, you know, it's, it's not stellar anymore. And again, that's one of the things about this team is we're used to consistency. And that's what was frustrating for the second, third quarter of this game. And pretty much, you know, the, the second half of the first quarter as well is when we don't make shots, it gets frustrating and we're used to making shots. We're number three in the league in field goal percentage. So when you, the, the shots aren't going down, we're like, what's going on? The world is ending, yeah. but I'm really interested to see as we near that trade deadline, if campaign continues to have these performances where he's not making an effect on the game in a positive manner, and he's not providing the defense that he's been known to provide in the past, does Monty Williams start to give C4 Javon Carter a few more minutes? Do we see Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore that combo come back? I mean, the beautiful thing is we have depth on this team. It'll be interesting to see how long that leash is from Monty. We know that campaign is one of those guys that he loves. He brought him back. He, uh, he was with him in Oklahoma city. He brought him back for the bubble bubble campaign obviously was fantastic. And we know that he does give his guys a long leash. See Elia Kobo. Yeah, it's tough because I honestly think it, the bench is depth is depth. The bench is deep. That's correct. It bench equals deep. depth. It is deep, but what you don't, what you like to see is them kind of maybe play through it. Cause I, I don't like it to where, okay. So a guy has two or three bad games. Agreed. I mean, Dario Sarich is that guy where he'll have two games that are bad and they come back and just play two solid games. So campaign, hopefully he's that guy. If not, maybe he's a trade piece. Maybe he's not, but I'd like to see him just be consistent with him. And I think campaign, he's more of a playmaker too. than I think he is let to be. I think that a lot of people are kind of overlooking that. And I think he is too, as well. I think he can be that guy with the second unit and the, and like in the beginning of the season to where he can lead the second unit minus 21. We usually don't do the plus minus, but that is pretty bad when you're minus 21, Yeah, but maybe he's bad situations for him, dude, because I think he can be that guy. I don't want to have to mess around, but what's awesome is we have two superstars on this team at Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And then we have to worry about Deandre Aiden getting better. So these little problems we have are like a lot of teams in the NBA where if they have these great players, like we do, 
they have those other things they have to worry about. You know, who's going to pick up these minutes? Who's going to be the consistent backup point guard? But it's kind of nice to have these issues, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. These are the questions that are nice because you know you have the answers are sitting down there and just need an opportunity. So you can tinker with some things, but I agree. Let campaign continue to play, work it through. Again, we win the game and we're 21 and 11 while he's trying to figure out kind of who he is in the middle of this season. Uh, As one of my favorite names from one of our jamsters says, hold on. uh, Marijuana is our bench better than the Lakers bench. Oh, um, I don't know. I think so. I think we're the deepest team in the league, honestly. I really do too. When you mentioned Lakers, it's like, okay, you lose Anthony Davis and you lose two games in a row. So it's like, they lost like four. They lost four now. I think so. Yeah. They're, they're struggling without him. They don't have the depth, you know, and look at, okay. So another guy who we haven't talked about who had a great game off the bench today was cam uh, Johnson. Cam Johnson didn't have a great offensive night, only eight points, you know, two for four from deep. Although every three was big because we were having a hard time hitting the three. We only hit a total of six in the game. So he had two of the six. He had 18 minutes, three of five from the field, but his defense was fantastic. He was pesky. He was drawing offensive fouls. I mean, huge game. You know, when the game was close and we finally tied the game and he started really exerting himself both him and mikhail bridges so the the saying continues the suns go as mikhail bridges and cam johnson go tonight it wasn't necessarily due to their offensive performance they combined for 22 points it was their defensive prowess and the the way that they put the pressure on the chicago bulls and forced them into situations that made them uncomfortable and ultimately caused offensive fouls Uh, mikhail had two steals i mean all these things led to the turnovers and the things that uh led to a victory for the Suns. It did. And honestly, they got rewarded on the other end. Their defense really, and it was like a combined effort with them on the defensive end, just forcing the ball. There was turnover after turnover, then eight and block, then turnover. And it led to them getting big, big shots. Mikhail Bridges hitting some big threes. Cam Johnson too, as well. He looked a little bit better from three today. There was one shot where he stepped into it. I was like, holy crap, that is an awesome. Oh, did I do it? Just did it. Hashtag two as well. (sighs) It's a nervous twitch. All right. I don't even know why I do it. Um, yeah, I, I, so anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I took you totally out of your rhythm. The Jack Taylor Award for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. Who in the name of Cotton Fit Simmons is Luke Cornett? He's like a I've seven heard. foot zero Kirk Heinrich lookalike who scored 11 <laughs> points and made three consecutive threes that I yeah. ultimately nailed the coffin. Man, who the hell is that guy? No idea who he was coming into Did this you- game. You guess how long he's been in the league? No idea. No idea who this guy is. None. Zero. Yeah, me, me Three years. I don't know. Yeah, Luke I think it's been four years. This is his fourth year. I've never heard fourth. of him. Yeah. But you saw him miss that last one where he missed the fourth Air one. Airball. And it's like he was one for 14 before facing the Suns. And it was like, come on, this is the guy that Jack Taylor award. And every time I see these guys go off, I'm like, what is the name of that award? Because this guy's going to win it. And he yep. won it tonight. But he didn't kill the Suns. Like I thought maybe he might go like six for seven tonight or something, but it kind of, it definitely halted. Thank God. Yep. Well, Jamsters, I think it's time for another award. You can tell us who you think is our. Jam star of the game. Matthew Paul Lissy. Who do you got? We're going DeAndre Aiden tonight. Well-learned. They kept with him. It wasn't just him. It was a team believing in him and just giving him the ball when they needed it the most. I mean, nothing else was going, so you have to give it to the big man. You have to. 
against this Bulls team to where, you know, no one can defend him. Come on, just give him the ball. Let him work out his kinks. And he worked those kinks out. And he definitely gave us the win, not only offensively, but those blocks. I was look, looking down writing and all of a sudden, block by Aiden, block by Aiden. I'm like, what the yeah, hell is like, going on, dude? He's just like walking back like, oh, like he had it going tonight, dude, on the defensive uh, end. He, he, he did towards, yeah, that fourth quarter, him. man. That was fun to watch. I love the Jamsters in the chat. Thank you guys so much for joining us and, and hanging out and talking. I mean, it's it's like a therapy session. Uh, remember right now to subscribe and hit the thumbs up button. We want 1,000 subscribers someday. Lace Baton. Lace Bacon. He gives it to Tiny Hands. <laughs> tiny Hands? Yeah. Is that Deon- DeAndre Ayton? Because oh, okay. <laughs> he, he fumbles the ball. Uh, Alex okay. gives it to Frank the Tank. Uh, Joe yeah. Slater's giving it to Cam yeah. Johnson. David is giving it to DA. You got uh, Kareem gives it to DA blackout sons is, you know, his jam star is, is DA. We've got a lot of DAs in here um, down the line. Uh, let's see. Blaze gives it to, to DA uh, fourth quarter eight. And I like how Mario Lopez put that, you know, fourth quarter and the beginning of the game. I and mean, he came out aggressive too. I really think that DA had a solid all around game. Jones and since 80 said CP three with the 15 assists. And you could do that as well. I mean, the, the nice thing about one of these games is there's not a lot of, guys who you can't you you it was a team effort it was turn around it took everybody's uh who did a big dick ayton from muhammad love that one uh da chris paul so uh you know benjamin says it's 100 percent chris paul this game logo frank for the boogie trent tent so got you know travis got to go da so a lot of people kind of going both ways i'm gonna give it to da as well i am one of those Dev or uh, DeAndre Ayton apologist. I love him. I think that he has so much potential. I'm frustrated along with you, Jamsters, when he doesn't dunk the ball sometimes, when he lays it up and he gets blocked and he could have had an A on one, or he doesn't, you know, rotate your when he doesn't guard, guard James Harden right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's so, so it's, it's funny. Um, I'm going to just throw a little story out there. I got this new shirt today. It's a Mikhail Bridges Valley oh. shirt that I'm wearing. Just really, really quick before you go into it. Yeah. So, Oh, we always say, I say, uh, we say big dick book. Chris Paul is big penis. Paul mm-hmm. Aiden could be ant eater. Aiden ant eater. Yeah. Ant eater. You know, the big nose. <laughs> All right. Never mind. That didn't work. So go into your story. Dude. I'm sorry. How am I supposed to follow that up? Uh, we just, we just lost like 10 viewers on that. Um, wow. Uh, but I went to just sports today and they, the, the beautiful thing about walking into just sports today was right when you first walk in, there was nothing but Suns gear. They had Booker pennants. They had Valley towels and blankets. They had these shirts. They had white Suns shirts with with Paul, Booker, Aiden, and Bridges. I almost got the white Bridges shirt, but I wanted to get the, the Valley one. And for so many years, the Suns stuff was like in the back on a rack, on the NBA rack. So it's like, you know, it's one of those four-armed racks, and like two of them had Sun stuff, and the rest of the stuff was like other, like Lakers and Clippers and other teams in the NBA. And it was just so pleasant. I, I, I literally walked in. I said to the guy, I'm "Like, all right, the Sun stuff's up front, fantastic." And and uh, the guy was working there was like, "Yeah, it's a really fun season." I'm like, "It is." And when I was checking out, he started talking about the Suns with me. And one of the things that he said was, uh, "God, that game against the Nets." Or he, he goes, "What do you think about the Hornets game?" I go, yeah, you know, LaMelo Ball is fantastic. He's like, yeah, well, DA did a horrible job guarding him at the end. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's LaMelo Ball. It's the same thing as the Nets game where Harden blows by DeAndre Ayton. Like, you can't get frustrated at that. That's an elite guard no, blowing by. He'll blow by anyone. I mean, 
you know, I'd like to see anybody try to guard him. But uh, I digress. Again, you know, if you live in the Phoenix area, go to Just Sports. They got all their great. What's that? Jump over the counter and punch him, or is there plexiglass in the way? No, there was no plexiglass. But I was just oh, like, okay. I was just like, whatever, man. No, but shout out to Just Sports, man. They were. Uh, it's nice seeing them put all the sun stuff up front. I can't wait till it's okay for everyone to go back to the bars because maybe they'll actually show a Suns game. So. Yeah. Um, next on our docket of things to do is to guess what? It's the guess what segment. So we asked this question before we played the Bulls: Who would have more three-point attempts? Would it be Cam Johnson or would it be Jay Crowder? Uh, Matthew, I don't remember what we said because I never do. Uh, but Cameron Johnson had more three-point attempts. He had. I said four, and I said Cam. And Cam went two for four, and Jay Crowder went one for three. So take that. Over, under points for Zach Levine, 28.5. You said over. I said under, and Zach Levine ended with 24 points. So then I must have said over. over. Yeah, you said over. All-star and the Suns can't stop all-stars. Exactly. I'm surprised. I feel like he got 24 points, but he, I feel like, could have went off anytime he wanted. But Yeah, for some reason, he just didn't necessarily do it. I mean... I mean, nine for 16 shooting, 24 points, four assists. Again, he kind of had he had an efficient night. You compare that to Devin Booker, who had 22 points on 24 shots, nine for 24. Just was not going down for Booker tonight. Did not look all-star-esque, if you will. But Levine never really kind of got into that rhythm. And I credit yeah. the, the Suns' defense for trying. Yeah, I think it was just him kind of deferring. I mean, that's his next step. He's a great scorer, great dunker, whatever he wants to be on the offensive end with scoring wise, but he wants to be more facilitator. I think this year too. And that's what got him in the all-star game. Yeah. And I think he was trying to get the rest of his team involved and they were helping him at points. I mean, again, they was just the Suns closed out that fourth quarter so well. And that's why when we asked who wins Suns or bulls, we both said the Suns. and we were both correct. So that moves our records on the year to 10 and seven and Matthew's now 12 live. So I got a couple Good. games to make up. Uh, I don't know if our next game is one. I'll make one up on because we have on Sunday at 7 p.m. We are at the Minnesota Timberwolves and Papa Ricky. So the first question I have for you and Jamsters, you can answer as well. Who is going to have more points, Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns? Let's do Cat. Okay. He's an all-star. Can't stop all-stars. I gave up 40 points to every all-star. <laughs> Same take I had last time. No, I think Book goes off in this one, man. I mean, he's playing against his two of his best friends. Is is D'Lo out? I feel like D'Lo is. I think he is. Check that. Check yeah, on that while we're looking. I mean, what? Praise Jesus for not getting D'Lo right that off yes. season. So thank you for keeping him. Thank you for taking Papa Ricky. We love that guy. I would love that Papa Ricky. Can you imagine him having as a backup point guard? Oh my God. Get that. In the Somebody work, mentioned right? that earlier. It's like bring Papa Ricky back. You know, if the contract worked, if there was a buyout with Minnesota and we get Ricky Rubio as our backup, oh my God, dude, we win the championship. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like Seriously. him plus somebody else. Like oh, if, if you have him and then you have like, you know, hashtag JaVale McGee, the Suns win a championship. Championship team right there. Yep. So God, let's keep that. Well, okay. So if we win a championship, are we doing the pod after? Are we just gonna? We're gonna have to party with all these jamsters, right? Oh man! If if we win a championship, it's gonna be the most lit podcast ever. It's just gonna be me on here for an hour crying. It would be two days later though. After we're hung, no, it would be right after, and I I would be crying. I just guys, we fucking did. I want that moment to happen so bad in my life. Streets walking around somewhere. I'll be. I'll be on. 
Okay, we'll allow it. Uh, who's going to have or under over uh, over under? I'm sorry, uh, fourteen and a half Minnesota free throw attempts. Ooh, over right. They are last in the league when it comes to free throw attempts. We are second to last, I believe, second or third to last. So, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say over, and okay. we don't care. And yeah, who cares? <laughs> who wins, Jamsters? The Suns or the Wolves? Matthew, I'm taking the Suns. I mean, this is the worst team in the NBA. They're lost in a lot of ways. They have some talented players. They do, but they just they play no defense. I am afraid that this is one of those games where the Suns could be, you know, the, the proverbial trap game, if you will. Lakers are up next after this. It could be a game where CP3 could, you know, oh, the hamstring hurts a little bit, so he might get a, get some rest. We don't know, but it would be a good game to do that because you're playing a team like this. And then those are the teams that all of a sudden go crazy from beyond the arc and we end up losing the game. So uh, I hope it's not one of those trap games, but I am taking the Suns. Yeah, I'm going Suns too. I mean, all the reasons you said, basically the same exact thing, dude. Uh, CP3, though, probably will play. I don't think he sits out on purpose. Yeah, he's not one of those guys. He, he's not one of those rest guys and then come to playoffs when we need him. We'll see. Oh, so. I I <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all over. It's all over. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's all I got to say about that, man. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. We will be live after the Minnesota Timberwolves game on Sunday. Really looking forward to that game, though, because I do like Papa Ricky. Uh, I do like... Well, what do you think of Minnesota's uniforms? Uh, you know, I haven't watched one game, but are they the same uniforms as always? Are you talking about the green ones? Well, they have this their city edition ones, which are different every year. Um, I think they just say like men on them, but they're, they're always, I wish they'd have kind of the old, uh, their old, old ones, like the Ray Allen ones. Yeah. They, they got to switch it up, but um, yeah, the uniforms are fine, but I just want to say I love Papa Ricky. Sorry. <laughs> I do miss him, but you know what? I'm okay with CP3. Okay. Me too. <laughs> I mean, the beer 21. What's that? One beer I drink is hitting me. Get a little bust. I know. You keep talking over me. I know. It's rude. <laughs> no more beers. No more IPAs for you. Stick to the Coors Light, man. All right. All right. All right. So, again, Suns 21 and 11 going to Minnesota, who I believe has seven wins. So, it should be one of those games where the Suns dominate. Really looking forward to that. What up, fellas? Fellas, again, thank you to everybody who decided to hop on here and join us for the podcast. Uh, you, you loyal Jamster listeners, you are appreciated. Make sure that you subscribe to the pod. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button on this podcast. Let your friends know the goal is to one day hit a thousand subscribers. That would be fantastic and awesome. Uh, you can go ahead if you're listening on the Brightside Podcast Network. Subscribe, rate, and review there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Matthew, let's see. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. Um, again, shout out to everybody who joined us. I think that's all we have. Matthew, I know you need to grab another beer because it's Friday night and turn around every now and then. Matthew gets a little drunk when he has one fucking IPA. Turn around. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, too. Everyone go home and love your family. Hey, man. Take care, everybody. Have a great night.